Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold it down no more No, I'm not gonna hold it down Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. I have a very special show for you tonight. I am about to break all the rules. I always say to you guys at the beginning that I know you have faith of the heart and I have the faith to believe, and I know you guys are the strongest people I know, especially everyone with chronic illnesses. And you have the strength to reach any star. But I'm about to commit sacrilege today. I'm about to go in the face of everything that our allopathic colleagues believe in. So if you do not have the PDF for tonight's show, it is at my website. Uh, you can go to www.bioindividualmed.com or drjessarmine.com. Uh, click the show. You'll see the show and the PDF there. Let's give everybody a minute to grab that. Okay, tonight's show is going to be on dysautonomia. Big word, I know, okay, but it's rather important because it's kind of the end result of everything. So, how about we dive into it a little bit? Today... I'm honored to announce, and I'm sure that everybody involved uh, knows, is International Awareness Day. May 12th is the day that has been chosen to raise awareness about Lyme disease and multiple chemical sensitivities, myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is also known as chronic fatigue syndrome, Gulf War syndrome, mold and biotoxin illnesses, fibromyalgia and other related illnesses, neuroimmune and autoimmune diseases, and I already mentioned fibromyalgia, I'm sorry, um, multiple chemical sensitivity. You know, these diseases uh, don't receive a lot of attention. They don't really, uh, they have many different symptoms, and often people are basically accused of faking. And um, no one wants to take responsibility for it, especially for the fluoroquinolone toxicities. And uh, we all have uh, many uh, Floxy patients, 
and we know that uh, they can present in many different ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. But today is International Awareness Day, so I'm going to uh, raise awareness about these diseases, but in a different kind of way, which is going to be kind of pulling everything together that we've been talking about since we started this blog in November. Okay, but let's start with the explanation of what dysautonomia means. Well, if you look at the word, it's dysautonomia, which is the uh, autonomic nervous system, and that's the nervous system that functions on its own, okay, runs your heart rate, your blood pressure, and so forth. Dysautonomia is also known as autonomic nervous system dysfunction or disorder. And people, this is a blanket label. It is not a thing. It's a blanket label applied to a variety of symptoms or conditions that develop, at least in part, because of malfunction or faulty regulation in the involuntary nervous system. And keep that in mind, okay, because of malfunction in the autonomic nervous system. <clears throat> this thing goes by loads of different names. POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, inappropriate sinus tachycardia, vasovagal syncope, pure autonomic failure, uh, neurocardiogenic syncope, um, orthostatic hypotension, paroxysmal sympathetic hyperactivity, and that's why you pay me the big bucks because I can pronounce these words, right? <laughs> uh, other conditions like fluoroquinolone toxicity, uh, orthostatic instability, um, myalgic encephalitis, as we said before, and uh, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, mold, um, sorry, uh, multiple chemical sensitivities, the mold and biotoxin illnesses, neuroimmune diseases, autoimmune diseases, and mitochondrial dysfunction are all included in this fold, okay? Dysautonomia can occur as a result of other diseases like diabetes, which makes kind of makes sense, okay, considering all the inflammation and lack of circulation that can happen from diabetes, multiple system atrophy, Guillain-Barre syndrome, not too, much, too many of us get um, Legionnaire's disease, Lyme disease, okay, which has about a thousand different expressions, or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Many other syndromes can cause or at least contribute to the development of to the, the development of dysautonomia. And my wording is going to be very exact tonight, especially if I can get it out of my mouth. <clears throat> Some of the generalized symptoms of dysautonomia, and there are many, 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 okay, but I want you just to understand some of the symptoms. Tachycardia, fast heart rate. Bradycardia, slow heart rate. Chest pain, dangerously low blood pressure. Blood pressure that goes up and down. Orthostatic intolerance, which means you, you, when you get up, you can't maintain your blood pressure. Excessive fatigue. Exercise intolerance, meaning that you can't exercise because you're so fatigued. Dizziness, gastrointestinal problems. There's a big surprise for you, huh? Uh, nausea, insomnia, shortness of breath, anxiety, frequent urination, convulsions, cognitive impairment, which we also know as brain fog or fiber fog or whatever, visual blurring and migraines. Okay, these are the common ones, and there are many others. Now, here's where I get angry. And in part of the uh, marketing I did for this, I wanted you to say, like from the uh, movie network, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, okay, because this is the essence. 
Dysautonomia, what we're told by the world, <clears throat> excuse me, is dysautonomia is chronic and permanent. Chronic and permanent means you're not going to get rid of it. You have it. Too bad. See you later. Okay? They don't know why it happens. Okay? You look at all the literature, they, can, they theorize, but they don't know why it happens. They do tell you that you have to learn to live with it. Okay? And I know there's a lot of support groups out there, and I give my love and, and support to all the support groups. But always remember that the support groups or the science or the medicine behind support means that, you know, the medicines that are out there are only to treat the condition, not to treat what's causing the condition. Okay? And I want to kind of open that door tonight. Okay? And what you're essentially told is essentially it stinks to be you. You got it. It's not going to go away. Oh, well. The reality is, if, we, if you've been following me at all, <clears throat> is that dysautonomia is secondary to something else. And if dysautonomia is secondary to something else, some other entity, then eradication of that entity is indicated. But not only eradication of the entity... This includes amelioration of that entity's damage to the body. So what I've been preaching since day one is that not only do we have to get the root cause, the bug, Lyme, whatever it happens to be, we have to go after what that bug or whatever did to the body. <clears throat> and those things include inflammation, big time immune upregulation, neurotransmitter imbalances, which is going to give you your mood changes, leaky gut, which is going to send the immune system off and running, and cell wall hyperpermeability. So let's go back a little bit, okay? Hold on, let's see. Let's go back. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time, when the only people that existed were troglodytes, cavemen, cavewomen, Neanderthal. Well, perhaps not that far back, huh? But let's go back. <clears throat> Traditional medicine tells us that these conditions... I'm sorry, traditional medicine treats these conditions like they are new diagnoses, like they are things like ME or CFS or fibromyalgia, multiple chemical sensitivities are diagnostic entities unto themselves. They're treating POTS and everything else as if it's a diagnostic entity. And let me ask you a question. Are those syndromes actual diagnoses? Okay, for those of you joining us for the first time and are saying, what the heck is he talking about? <clears throat> Think about this. If you have a sore throat, or if you're from Brooklyn and you have a sore throat, okay, that is not a diagnosis. That is a symptom. Okay, if you have a strep throat, now I know why you have a sore throat. If you have a set of symptoms, you'll call it a syndrome, fibromyalgic syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, multiple chemical sensitivity is a syndrome. Okay, these are not diagnoses. These do not tell you what the root cause is. 
So if they're only explanations of symptoms, perhaps they're secondary to something or more accurately the downstream effect of one or more of those root causes. Hmm. This is where we got to get into the area of sacrilege because you're supposed to be told, no, 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 dysautonomia, that's, that's by itself, you know. That wasn't caused by anything. You got it, and it's never going to go away. Well, I don't believe that, okay? So let's look at some, condi- some of the conditions we were mentioning and uh, see if there's some common features. Now, I only did a few conditions tonight because if I did every single condition, we'd be here all night, and you would get really tired of listening, listening to me basically saying the same thing. So let's look at myalgic encephalomyelitis and chronic fatigue syndrome. It's a condition causing persistent fatigue that lasts for at least six months and isn't due to another medical condition. Um, there's a couple of different names for it. As you can see, chronic fatigue immune dysfunction syndrome, which I think is more accurate. Okay, myalgic encephalomyelitis. Okay, but here, feeling extremely tired for more than 24 hours after exercise, that should be considered easy. Unrefreshed sleep, okay, that's insomnia. Forgetfulness, concentration problems, confusion, joint pain but no swelling or redness, headaches, irritability, sometimes fever and muscle aches, muscle weakness, sore throat, sore lymph nodes, and the uh, references are at the bottom, okay? The causes of chronic fatigue and ME. Viral infections, genetic predisposition. Hmm, we've heard that before. Uh, environmental toxins, immune reactions, may be possible causes of this disorder. Recent research has focused on abnormalities in the level of certain hormones, specifically cortisol, the stress hormone, and the female sex hormones. Of course, no one knows exactly why, but some medications can cause this syndrome also. Okay, and for some people, head injuries and other traumas might be one of the reasons. Let's look at fibromyalgia, which is a syndrome. The symptoms of fibromyalgia can include chronic muscle pain, moderate or severe fatigue, insomnia, stiffness upon waking up or staying in one position for too long, difficulty remembering, concentration, or performing simple mental tasks. They call it fibro fog. Many people call it brain fog. Abdominal pain, abdominal pain, bloating, nausea, constipation, alternating with diarrhea. Sounds like leaky gut to me. Mm, probably not, right? No, this is a medical thing. They wouldn't think about such things. Tension of migraine headaches, jaw and facial tenderness, sensitivity to one or more of the following, odors, noise, bright lights, medications. Sounds like multiple chemical sensitivity, photosensitivity, stuff like that. Feeling anxious or depressed, neurotransmitter imbalances. Numbness or tingling in the face, arms, legs, or feet. Increased urinary urgency. Reduced tolerance for exercise and muscle pain after exercise. Feeling of swelling without actual swelling. And this is from WebMD, by the way. I'm not just pulling it out of my head. Okay, again, the causes of fibromyalgia that they're theorizing. Hormonal disturbances due to stress uh, or genetics. There's a brain neurotransmitter called serotonin that may lead to lowered pain thresholds. Fibromyalgia can follow sudden trauma to the brain and spinal cord. Hmm, interesting, interesting, interesting. Chronic Lyme. Uh, People, uh, chronic Lyme is one of the most ubiquitous 
entities that can cause a myriad of symptoms. And those are just big words to say, if you haven't been properly checked for Lyme and you have a chronic condition, please do so. Okay, the screening test for Lyme is inadequate. Even just the uh, Western blot is inadequate. Okay, chronic Lyme and the co-infections are like everywhere. Okay, when it gets into that chronic stage, it can become neural and it can cause a lot of different symptoms, such as chronic arthritis, chronic pain, fatigue, headaches, joint inflammation, memory loss, mood changes, sleep disorders, uh, abnormal sensitivity to light, confusion, decreased consciousness, and numbness and tingling. Anybody seeing a correlation here? Okay, now, I put the symptoms down, and I put, in a, in, and this took me a while because I don't know how to make these things. I don't know how to make tables. So I put the symptoms for chronic Lyme, fibromyalgia, and ME-CFS together. And you'll notice they all have the same symptoms, okay? They all have the same symptoms. And if we go to page 15, which is the next page, I put dysautonomia next to that, and they all have the same symptoms, okay? So if there's common symptoms... Is there a possibility that there's some common causation? I mean, isn't it possible that there is something or a set of things going on that can express as these syndromes, and then after you've had this for a while, okay, you can get symptoms of dysautonomia? Because dysautonomia has been known to creep up on people over time, and that's often what I see in my practice, is people will have fibromyalgia, chronic Lyme, chronic fatigue, and later on, they develop the dysautonomic symptoms. The common causations have been infections, and those can be viral, bacterial, fungal, okay, intracellular, extracellular, a lot of different types of infections, genetic predisposition, okay, hmm, We've talked about that, haven't we? We talked about being able to look at your genetics and kind of predict or understand which pathways might slow down or crash given a certain amount of stress, a certain amount of load, whatever, however you want to call it. But that's where genetics can be helpful because it can tell you, gee, given an infection, this, era, this pathway may not work as well. Environmental toxins, I think we're replete in this country with environmental toxins. And I include um, vaccinations in on that, I know. I'll probably have the men in black outside. Okay, neurotransmitter imbalances. All of these syndromes cause or are a result of or whichever, you know, have neurotransmitter imbalances, which causes all kinds of mood changes. And I've been able to, in some cases, eradicate the dysautonomia by balancing just the neurotransmitters. Okay, it's not often, but it happens. Hormonal imbalances, okay, either primarily or secondarily. Okay, primary hormone imbalances are secondary to something else. Trauma. But all of it results in inflammation. Even the medical guys are agreeing with me now. Shh, don't tell anybody. Because everything is inflammation now. Everything has been inflammation Okay, inflammation is what makes receptors not work. Inflammation is what causes all kinds of havoc in the body. And that's why we're always going after the leaky gut to destroy uh, and uh, knock down inflammation. So, is dysautonomia incurable? Okay, I think not. I think it's a matter of your point of view. 
if dysautonomia is an, is an independent entity, then it cannot be cured. Okay, then the medical guys are right. You just have to treat it and it stinks to be you. But if it's dysautonomia in all its different forms, and I know I spelled it wrong, sorry, okay, in all its varied and sundry forms, is the downstream effect of one or more other entities, then a cure is possible. Okay, so I ask you, where do you stand on this? More than that, where does your health care provider stand? It's important because if your health care provider says, well, you know, Dr. Armine's an idiot, okay, I've been called worse, don't worry about it. Dr. Armine's a complete idiot, and we have to, this is by itself, this is, you know, I'm sorry, this is what you have, this, you know, I don't know how you got it, but it's there, then no one would ever heal. But we have a lot of evidence, we have a lot of patients who've had all these symptoms, and they go backwards and they start heading towards health if you treat the body and treat the root causes and the downstream effects with the guidance of the epigenetics. This is why we created bioindividualized medicine. Holistic medicine should be the best of traditional and alternative medicine. Okay, What's needed with somebody who has gotten to the point that they have expressed symptoms of dysautonomia is not a protocol, not a oh, well, let me look at my book, Dysautonomia, let me give this medicine. No. You need individualized treatment personalized to your unique physiology, not just the use of pre-written protocols. And in that consideration, there has to be consideration of the genetics as guidelines, not as, you know, you don't treat the SNPs by themselves, but the pathways with the polymorphisms can give you really good pointers as to where the body is failing and where it would have failed and what you should do about it. You should be thinking about neurology, mood and neurotransmitters, thinking about endocrinology or the hormones, immunology, which is your biotoxins, infections, leaky gut, immune abnormalities, all resulting in inflammation from immune upregulation, mitochondrial dysfunction, which is secondary to all this inflammation that makes our bodies not create the energy that it needs to heal. And what most people don't really think about is the stability of the cell walls. Why do we put that as a parameter to think about? Well, you know, you've all listened to my, my lecture on cell wall permeability or hyperpermeability or leaky cells. When your cell walls are not working, nothing works. If you, if you think of a body, okay, if a cell is not working, what are a bunch of cells put together? A tissue. A bunch of tissues put together are an organ. A bunch of organs put together that allegedly are working together, you call that a body. So if it's happening to a cell, it's happening generally. And by the time you get the symptoms of dysautonomia, you've been having inflammation for such a long period of time that... The cells have been leaky like crazy, usually as a result of histamine or other toxins or other inflammation ripping them open. And I've seen a lot of repair programs or gut repair programs or treatment programs that do not even consider the fact that the cells themselves aren't working. And this is especially important in the mitochondria because it's got two layers of cells. I've been noticing an, inter an interesting trend. Uh, lately, and I discussed this with Sean, and he's noticed it also, that we've been inundated with patients from other practitioners 
Uh, not that they're, they're, they're not referring to us. The patients just find us. Uh, who These other people are famous, very expensive. <laughs> it's amazing what these guys charge. And they frequently fail to ameliorate the conditions that they claim as their expertise. As a matter of fact, some people call themselves mold doctors and, you know, it doesn't even, the tests don't even show that much mold and they throw all kinds of stuff at them and they're wondering why the patient's not getting better because they're looking at mold and it's really something else. And the fact is if you have only a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. And that goes for Lyme doctors or anybody else who simply treats as a protocol or treats via protocols. Protocols were not made for individuals. They were made for generalities. And sometimes you can use them as a jumping-off point, but they shouldn't be used as absolutes as they often are used. That's just lazy man's lazy doctoring. So at our center, with the addition of the IV therapy with Dr. Kershiva, we've been having success where others have failed because we investigate the root causes, the downstream effects, and we use the genetics as guideposts to develop treatment plans that are specific for your particular physiology and your particular circumstances. So, anyway, as, as I'm uh, coming to the end of my lecture so I can open up for questions and answers, okay, um, you can get consults. We're, we're filling up really fast, so I suggest you call quickly. There's... Um, if you wanted to do the nutritional IVs, the IVs for uh, to open up the uh, mitochondrial pathways and what has been really helping most of our chronically ill patients, uh, you can get uh, that information by dialing the number 610-449-9716 or filling out the contact form, okay, at bioindividualmed.com. <clears throat> Remember, we still offer the 15-minute Get Acquainted session so you can chat with me or chat with Sean and uh, ask some questions, get to know us a little bit, and we can listen to your condition and decide together whether we can help you or not. And I've been very happy to do that because several people I've sent them to, the appropriate practitioners told them that, hey, you're not, this is, hasn't been properly worked up, or I can at least look anybody in the nostrils and say, yes, I can help them. Uh, other good news is that our vitamin store is, our online vitamin store is up and running. And we're giving everybody an average 20% discount on all the vitamins and supplements. And you can either just go to the website and click store or go to store.drjessarmine.com. And like I said, our, um, our schedule is kind of filling up fast. So if you have questions about whether we can deal with any aspect of the causation and fixing of dysautonomia, you know, I encourage you to give us a call and let's chat about it. So it is Q&A time. i got to make more slides next time. Sometimes I think I make too many. Sometimes I think I make too, let, too little. But if you have questions, uh, the number to call in is 646-595-2277. I have one person who's been holding for a little while. And you can also, if you're on the chat, I'm looking at the chat room, and you can ask a question that way. So let's see who's here. Hi, this is Dr. Armine. Are you on? Hello. Hello. Hi, this Hello? is Dr. Armine. You've been very patient holding on. Can I can I help you? Yes, I emailed you last night. This is Anjanek. I'm sorry. I said I emailed you. This is Angel Mac. Okay. 
I didn't know if you received my email yesterday. Yeah, that was a very, very long one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a chance. I was going to answer it tonight because when I printed it out to read it, it was about seven or eight pages long. And... um <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm going to answer this nice lady, but I'm not going to just give her a five, you know, a five-minute answer, you know, or a two-minute answer. Well, yeah. No, well, that's why I put in there that I didn't even know if you would because I know you're so busy. Um, oh, no, I, would, I, I saw what you wrote, and I'd be happy to, um, you know, I'd be happy to respond to it because uh, what I think you should do, which would be better, is um, call my office and schedule a 15-minute uh, conference and let me go with you point by point, because what you have is a really complicated case, and um, you know I didn't have time to really dive into that email today. It's like I printed it out and I said, okay, I guess tonight when I get some time I'll read this over and answer it, you know. But I saw what you were asking about, but I needed time to re- uh, to understand it okay. and respond appropriately. That's the irony of uh, having the oh I talked for the last seven years. You don't know that all your inkjet printers are going to dry up on you. So I haven't been able to print anything out for the last, okay. <laughs> for the last years. Yeah, I know. So, that's, uh, I have I have the problem here too. It just kind of just stops, you know, in the um, with the printer, and it just if the toner goes, it's like that's it. But I tell you what, give me a call, uh, schedule a schedule a um, I, I get acquainted okay. session, and we'll go over everything, and um, I will have already read everything by the time we chatter. Okay, could you clarify too, please, where on your website we should download the PDF from today's show? Because I tried to go there, and when I clicked on for the radio show, it just gave me the archives from April. I couldn't, didn't find where to go okay. to download the PDF. Tell you in, a in, case, in case anybody else is having the same problem, I thought I'd mention it. If you go to our weekly radio show as opposed to uh, the radio show archives. Okay, you'll see May 12, 2014, and underneath the paragraph you'll see PDF. Okay. There's two things. It says our weekly radio show and then our radio show archives. So, but you're talking on the drjustarmine.com website? That's the same as bioindividualizedmed.com. They're both the same. They both lead into this uh, landing page. They're not different at all. Right. Okay. And you're saying... Okay, I'm on that page. Right. Go to our our weekly radio show. Okay. And you'll see May 12, 2014. Ah, And there it is. There it is. Staring at you in the nostrils, right? (laughs) Okay. So the new one is always our weekly radio show, not the archives below that. Got it. Okay. The uh, Blog Talk Radio allows us to hold on to seven... um, prior shows but let me hear from you and uh let me hear from you and then we'll uh we'll chat privately okay okay all righty all right take care bye-bye thank you thank you bye-bye oops where it is hold on there we go hi area code 541 hello dr it's joe colin um hey joe how are you good uh, well, I was curious to know um, for your, you know, since inflammation is such a biggie, uh, what are your primary steps? Um, I know you like to kind of heal the gut with, um, well, take, if you're going to use take, probiotics. Take a breath in. <laughs> take a breath and ask oh. a question. 
so, uh, you know, I'm coming back from Lyme disease um, and been healing the gut. Um, I see on your PDF that you mentioned about IV therapy, and I didn't know if that if you use IV therapy for inflammation issues or if that's more for, you know, supporting. I know. I, we, use, we use IV therapy for, um, for inflammation issues, for a lot of different things. Uh, as, you were, as you were indicating, uh, very often most um, alternative medicine practitioners will work on the gut first because it's the great, greatest creator of inflammation. <clears throat> so when you look at the common symptoms, you're, you're usually seeing uh, irritable bowel syndrome, some gut symptoms. Uh, you're always seeing uh, upregulated um, immune, immune problems, and that's always secondary, at least in part to a leaky gut syndrome for the reasons that we stated. Uh, you can go back to my, my podcast on leaky gut and go through the process, okay? Um, sometimes with leaky gut, uh, you can't get enough into somebody orally, so they have, to, they have to get what they need intravenously. And for those people, the intravenous high-dose vitamin C combined with yada, 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 okay, um, has been able to turn them around, okay, give them their energy back, uh, decrease the inflammation because, you know, vitamin C is a major antioxidant, okay, and it's a, one of the few things in the world that can reverse engineer disease. So that's why we wanted to add it to our, our office um, capabilities, okay, and as we are getting more experience with it and we're going to be very soon teaching, okay, we're going to be sharing the... Um, the protocols and the not protocols, but the you know the generalized uh, formulas that we've been using that have had the most success. And so, if you can't do the IV vitamin C, I guess the lip, liposomal vitamin C, I guess is your next best option. Well, your liposomal vitamin C is 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 your is one of the best options you can have because it is giving you the high dose of vitamin C with uh, the phospholipids that you need for the cell repair. Okay, now, by itself, it's powerful, but you need all the other parameters of, um, of healing a gut. But a lot of people do very, very well with the liposomal vitamin C. The, the biggest problem is they don't get enough of it. Okay, so I'm, I normally any, usually recommend anywhere from 6 to 10 grams a day of vitamin C. Okay, and liposomal. along with... Yeah, uh, along with the the lipid, the uh, sunflower lecithin that's usually made with the liposomal vitamin C, they're getting a they're getting a goodly amount of um, phospholipids to help heal their cells. Okay, uh, and of course it can be expensive. Okay, uh, depending on where you uh, get the liposomal vitamin C, and you can make it on your own. Some people have argued that the liposomal vitamin C that you make on your own is not as good. I disagree vehemently. Uh, a lot of people have done well with that. And um, we've also found the reason that some people don't do well with liposomal vitamin C, and it had, uh, although some people have antiphospholipid syndrome, we're finding out that not that many people have it, and what we're doing now is adding uh, certain digestive enzymes to help break down the, the fatty portion uh, which is the sunflower lecithin, so it becomes available to um, to the body, gets absorbed easily, 
and gets uh, reconstructed into the cells. It's, um, remember that leaky gut develops over a long period of time, and the longer it's there, the more memory cells you create, the more memory cells that you create, the, the bigger the uh, hit of antibodies every time you take an antigen in. Okay, so it is, um, it's a very important thing to fix, but not only. I had a discussion with a patient today that, yes, we're fixing the gut, but we have to go after the parasites and everything else. Okay, and that's very, very, very important. It's important that you treat root cause and the downstream effect. And the epigenetics helps because you can sit there and go, okay, this person's mitochondria probably is not working because of the way those polymorphisms are set up and the amount of inflammation that they have in their body. So you start thinking about what can help open up the uh, mitochondrial pathways. And okay. I guess that, that would, would be my next question just because of my low energy, um, you know, and you're always wondering, oh, is it the B12 or is it, you know, iron or is it the mitochondrial dysfunction? And I was just curious to know how you go about treating the mitochondrial issue. Well, I um, <laughs> I can't treat people over the uh, over the airwaves, but oh, there are several, no, I, there are I several ways. In general, yeah, because I, know, I don't know, I know. what my I'm about, issue I'm about to answer it. Okay, uh, there are several ways that have been helping the mitochondria open up, and um, the theory—it's not theory—it's been in the scientific literature—is that the uh, the electron transport chain has five complexes: uh, one, two, three, four, five. And uh, sometimes the polymorphisms, if they're sufficiently severe in the first and, and third, especially the first complex, that first complex can get blocked up by oxidized glutathione. Glutathione is your body's master antioxidant. And when it gets oxidized, when it gets used up, it can sit in there. Don't ask me why it sits in the, um, in the mitochondria in the first complex, but it blocks the entry of the electron donors, which is NADH and FADH2. Uh, some form of NAD, which is a derivative of niacin, niacin, niacinamide, uh, has been utilized to open up that pathway by taking the oxidized glutathione and rendering it into reduced glutathione, which is its active form. Now, there's uh, been people who use IV NAD, which is quite expensive, and, uh, but, and I've seen them get their energy back in like six IVs. I'm talking about huh. people who would not be able to, you know, uh, who would wash dishes and then have to lay down for three days, be out there mowing the lawn, okay? And there's a, there's a few miraculous cases. But for some people, it's, and for most people, it is something that, you know, will open up the pathways, but you still have to go after why the pathway had been blocked up. And I'm not right. saying, remember, I'm not saying the words turning on and turning off genes because I don't believe in that. Okay, it's a pathway problem. So, you know, yes, it can be mitochondrial, and it can be part of a methylation problem, and it can be part of a lot of other things. And that's why when I go on some of the blogs, I get a little, people look at my, my post and say, boy, he's a little upset. Why? Because people are saying, wait, I've got, you know, heterozygous C677T, and they're going into a major discussion about niacin and undermethylation and overmethylation. And if you look at the 40 or 50 responses, you see the whole, you know, people who had well, people who had a bad, blah, 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 blah. You can't. You can't just look at one polymorphism and make that much of a generalization. Okay? Right. It has to be done holistically, which is why I've been pushing 
for people to look at everything and demand, I'm not saying ask, I mean demand of their healthcare providers that they learn how to look at everything. And I'll tell you right off the bat, if you walk in and the doctor doesn't understand it and starts looking at a protocol sheet and says, well, I do the counter protocol, I do this, I do that, it's time for you to get up and walk out. Because if you're one of a subset of people that are hurting really, really bad, you need a practitioner who can really look at everything and put it together. Right. It's tough. It is not easy. It is a lot of work. It is an awful lot of work. All right. Well, thanks so much. You're most welcome. Take care. See ya. Hi, area code 281. This is Dr. Armine. How are you? I'm okay this evening. How are you? Good. What can I do for you, dear? Um, well, I'm calling uh, out of the encouragement of a friend. Um, uh, you said that leaky gut starts over or can be developed over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd be um, wondering if it potentially can start uh, as a toddler or even a young adult mm-hmm. and really wreak havoc on you by the time you hit the age of uh, 40. Um, oh, my gosh. Where, but to the point where having histamine problems and also um, uh, yeast candida overgrowth making it difficult to eat much of anything. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you called. I really am because your very short explanation there is, is something that I hear all the time. When um, <clears throat> one of the fortes of what I teach other doctors and I do myself is to take a history, and I take a history literally from you being in your mother's womb out. Okay, how do I do that? I ask her, you know, if you heard any stories from your mom about the pregnancy, and then I, you know, ask you what kind of baby you were, because you always had stories about what kind of baby you were, with the alcoholic, and so forth and so on. And then you can see the development of, you know, people who've had, let's say, lots of ear infections, and they had a lot of antibiotics. And at the time, nobody thought about probiotics, okay? So that's the beginning of the development of uh, leaky gut syndrome, and then you start seeing other things that will happen as they grow, usually for a woman when they hit their menstrual period and there's more, um, there's more dis, uh, uh, dysregulation in the system, and they start having uh, bad you know, uh, symptomatology, and they start having other things go on, and, and things go on and on and on and on and on, and they develop more inflammation, they develop more neurotransmitter imbalance sometimes, it can cause depression, sometimes it can cause anger, sometimes it can cause a combination of things of PMS, PMDD, and many other, you know, conditions, and then there's more antibiotics and, you know, more, and if, God forbid, you started getting hit by a fluoroquinolone, it might make things worse, and what it does is make the leaky gut worse and open up the door for other dysbioses, yeast, parasites, H. pylori, C. diff, you know, and then we start getting really, really, really crazy. And then, as you said, as you get into your 30s and 40s, the inflammation has been around for so long, then uh, receptor dysfunction starts occurring, and that's where people start seeing certain dysautonomic symptoms. Okay, it's in one big, yes, it's in one big snowball, and I see that on a daily basis. So in answer to your question, yes, leaky gut can happen over time and get worse upon worse upon worse. Uh, just, uh, if we just talk yeast, okay, remember that the amount of microorganisms in the gut keep the number of yeast at bay, but yeast is an encapsulated organism. 
So they've taken yeast out of the intestines of mummies, put them in a, a nutrient broth, and they start growing. Okay, so you take a bunch of antibiotics, you wipe out a lot of um, budding yeast and everything else, and then the encapsulated yeast looks up and says, hey, I can start growing, and they take up more real estate. And then it happens again, they take up even more real estate. So all of a sudden, you've got yeast overgrowth, and that yeast is producing a lot of excitatory neurotransmitters and a ton of acetylaldehyde, which is like formaldehyde, if you think about it, and it's irritating the heck out of your system. All right, so it, it becomes difficult because for the person, they can't see the forest through the trees because you have to take a, an incredible history. And for their healthcare providers, if they don't take the time to look at everything, you get stuck with, oh, let's just do this. Oh, let's just do that. Oh, let's just do this. Okay, and it, it can get worse and worse and worse. Okay, am I answering your question? Um, yep, some, to, to some degree. With that kind of a long history, and I try not to be too pessimistic here, but um, sometimes it feels like that trying to fix things is only going to prolong the half-crappy life that you have instead of just giving you back any kind of quality of life. Okay. And I'm glad that you said that because that is reality. What you said was very honest and was very brave of you to say it. And I applaud you. I really do. Because it's hard to say those words. And I know what you mean. Okay? <clears throat> the difference in what we do is that by looking at everything, you can, in fact, start the body on its path to healing plus get at what has been bugging it. Okay? Which will give you back your life. Okay? It's, it takes a little bit of... It takes a lot of consideration and a lot of work, but it is possible. It's not only possible, it's probable. That means over, way over 50% of giving you a life back, not just putting consistent Band-Aids on what's going on. Okay, but it's not something you can do on your own. And many, many, many practitioners are either too busy, and I'll, I'll give them that. I'll say they're too busy instead of they don't care. Okay, and if you have a lot of um, mood things that go along with it, a lot of times they just peg you as a hysterical woman and just shrug their shoulders and say, here, have some benzos or, you know, here's your antidepressant. Okay, so you can be pessimistic, but, you know, that's what we treat. The, the guys who do what I do, that's who we treat. And, yes, you can have a life back. Yeah, and we just have to work at it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Caller from the 508 area code, this is Dr. Armine. Hi, uh, yes, Dr. Armine, thank you for taking my call. No problem, what's up? Um, yes, my question is, well, my situation is um, relatively simple. Um, I've had autonomic nerve uh, tests, and they've shown dysfunction. Um, my long history, short, is that I've had Lyme, and I have my only really remaining problem is parasites that mm. cause... Um, atrial fibrillation. Mm -hmm. so I guess my question is sort of a roundabout. Um, can can autonomic dysfunction cause atrial fibrillation? Absolutely. Well, uh, atrial fibrillation for um, for those who don't know what it is, um, and um, 
mind, mind everybody, I used to be head nurse of a coronary intensive care unit, so cardiology is uh, <laughs> near oh. and dear to my heart, okay? So if, if you would uh, allow me to digress just for a moment for the oh, audience. Sure. Okay, when your heart beats and you look at the electroconductive system, okay, the sinoatrial node is where, which is up in the right atrium, okay, will initiate an impulse. It will go through three internodal pathways till it goes to the AV node, the atrioventricular node, and then it slows down at what's called a bundle of hiss, which is, uh, I guess, it named after some German guy, before it goes down the bundle branches into the ventricles. So that what's happening is as the impulse goes along the atria, the atria will contract, pushing the blood into the ventricles, and it slows down just a bit so that the blood can get there, and then as the... Um, the energy goes through the bundle branches, the ventricles will squeeze, okay, in kind of a ringing fashion and shoot the blood either into the uh, lungs and to the rest of the body, okay? That, the SA notes called, is called the body's pacemaker. But all of the cells in the heart have the ability to initiate their own impulse. So the... Cell, the cells of the atria can, or in the ventricles really, can start firing off under certain circumstances, okay, and initiate an impulse. And what you'll see is dysrhythmias. You might have, instead of hearing, you might hear... Exactly. Yep. Okay. And the, if you look at it on, on an electrocardiogram, instead of seeing a lot of P waves, which is the depolarization wave for the atria, you see kind of a wavy line or, or choppy line, and it becomes an argument of whether it's atrial flutter or atrial fibrillation. And if it's a fibrillation, it means that a lot of the uh, cells are firing off at once, and not all of those impulses get through, but enough of them do, and sometimes you can have a tachycardia, and sometimes... Um, you know, not, and the danger in atrial fibrillation is that instead of the atria squeezing like they're supposed to, okay, they kind of just quiver. And if they're quivering and the blood has some stasis there, it can create a clot, okay? That's what happens with blood when you slow it down, it clots. And then when it does go, it can shoot a clot either to the lung where you get a, you know, pulmonary embolus or in the brain somewhere, God forbid. Okay. Right. Um, so, can dysautonomia or any um, permutation of it cause atrial fibrillation? Yes, in that you're talking about chronic inflammation. Okay. Oh, can chronic okay. inflammation cause uh, um, atrial fibrillation? Yeah, it could. Right now, uh, there are a lot of reasons for atrial AFib and. You know, they have to be investigated, just something that, you know, if I, if I take on a case like that, I very, oh. I very much make sure that all the standard things have been done. Oh. Okay, making sure you don't have WPW right. syndrome, that kind of stuff. Oh, I and then if, Exactly. Yeah, yep. and, and if they're being controlled by medication, and, and which is the, the, allopath is the allopath's shrugging of the shoulders saying, okay, we found out there's nothing else to control it but this. Okay, that's when I start going after, and you said it yourself, Lyme, and you have parasites. Parasites are the biggest creator of inflammation from the gut. As a matter really? of fact, oh, absolutely. If you oh, go wow. to CD autism, 
right. on Facebook, uh, which is chlorine dioxide autism. That's a group that uses uh, chlorine dioxide to kill parasites in autistic kids. And they have mm-hmm. the greatest uh, degree of recovered autistics that I've ever seen because they're killing the parasites. Parasites actually look like those like, like those worms from the 50s, you know, on the on the screen with the teeth. Right. And they, they <laughs> grab they grab onto the villi, you know, the, the brush border. Right. And they hold on for dear life. And let me tell you something. Your body doesn't like that. It creates all kinds of immune upregulation. These guys are nasty. Blastocystis hominis and there's a whole mess of other ones. And if you got rid of everything else but the, but the uh, parasites, I can guarantee you that the reason for the inflammation and then possibly the reason, notice I'm covering myself a little. <laughs> right. Possibly the reason for uh, the AFib, maybe from you know, upregulated catecholamines and stuff like that, is going to be the... Um, the parasites, but I will tell you one thing for sure. Okay. Absolutely for sure. If you do not get rid of the parasites, you will be ill forever. Somehow or another, you're going to uh, be ill. Yep. Okay. I so, yeah. however it manifests, you're going to be ill. So, is it worth going after these parasites and, and you know, grabbing them and smacking them around and getting them out of your body? Absolutely. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And yep. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And then yep. you have to make sure that you're doing a good gut repair program at the same time and then for quite a while afterwards so that you can repair the damage that has been created from the parasites. And then that will downregulate the immune system, downregulate the inflammation. And whatever effect that has on the AFib, you'll see then. And, of course, you want to look at, you, want to look at, you know, your intracellular, um, uh, you know, uh, Electrolytes and uh, you know calcium, magnesium, oh, no, and stuff exactly. like that. Mitochondria, you know, potassium. Exactly, the mitochondria is the biggie, is the biggie, yep. and then of course making sure that you get enough phospholipids so that the cell walls, even in the heart, okay, can start healing. Because if the cell, if the cells of the the mitochondrial cells are mm-hmm. quote unquote leaky, they are already set up for having independent. Um, independent firing off on their own, okay? And uh, there's the same thing that happens in a seizure, okay? There's too much uh, electrolyte flux, and it will set off an impulse that now goes in a cascade, and we call it a seizure, okay? Uh, The AFib is more of a seizure of the heart, okay? And sometimes you have to cardiovert and stuff like that, but if it's one of those things that keeps happening and you need to be on... um, on, on anticoagulants and, yep. you know, stuff like that. Um, but it, exactly. But it's to the point where the doctor is now saying, you know, he wants to start doing ablations and maybe a maze, which is major, maze itself is major surgery. And I'm like trying well, to hold out because I think I know what the root cause is. So, I'm, you know. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say, I, I would say the same thing to you now as mm-hmm. I would if, I, if, I were, if you were my patient. Right. A decision has to be made. Um, ablations, if they can identify the tissues that are, that, you know, the areas that are causing the um, stimulation and the cascade effect, that's not too bad of a deal. There was a uh, syndrome called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome that right. uh, people would get these tachycardias. And at the time, there was nothing else you could do. When they came up with radiofrequency ablation, they were able to identify the patches and they would ablate the patches, and the person would be fine. Uh, putting in a maze, that's, that is a big deal, okay? So right. it's one of those things where 
you have to it's it's a decision and your decision oh. would be made yep. on having good information okay right. and then you're i mean you're you're the captain of the ship right okay as long as you have the proper information to make the decision and then you and which way you want to go then you want uh you know a a uh, yep. practitioner like myself who would be following along with you who understands at least you understand and then will go along with it with you because it's it's not something you do on your own. This is not right. something you do on your own. Exactly. Okay, this yeah. is this would be this is too dangerous to do on your own. Right. Yeah. I mean it's the allopath world versus the Well, it doesn't have to be versus, you know. But well, it I mean, can they be they don't even yeah. believe in Lyme or parasites, so obviously I'm not gonna have that conversation with them. But Yeah, well, you know something? Uh there's also other ways of taking care of parasites that, you know, a good alternative medicine practitioner will work on with you. Right. And believe me, once okay. you um, get rid of them and you downregulate the inflammation, you'll see right away if you're being helped. And I mean, progressively, right. the irritation okay. will go down. Okay. More, more generally speaking, one final question is: is a lot of allopaths say that the heart, once there's damage, it's beyond repair. But then I've had some, I've had naturopaths say chelation helps. For example, um, they've seen a long-term AFib get fixed because they did chelation and the heart's electrical repairs itself? Well, any cell will repair itself if you allow it, okay? If there's heavy metals, uh, I would be careful because chelation is not a benign process. Right. Oh, I know. Okay, not by any means, okay? And since you already have, I'm sure, electrolyte imbalance, I'd be careful, okay? Okay. But uh, any cell will repair itself. If it's not dead, it will repair itself. All you have to do is give it what it needs to repair. And, okay. you know, that's where we, we're, we're going to cross swords, me and the allopaths. <laughs> right. Well, all right, take thank, care now. Thank all right? you so much. I appreciate You're it. Thank you. You're most welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. okay, 561 area code. This is Dr. Armine. How are you? Hi. Hi, Dr. Armine. Sorry, I had to take you off mute. Um, I was wondering if you could um, address... The histamine issue that another caller brought up, um, is, that, is that common in folks with our types of tendencies? I have MTGFR yes. and a whole bunch of other SNPs, and um, also um, in my early 40s, the histamine issue just started going crazy, and it makes life right. very difficult. Oh, yes, um, it does. <clears throat> Why? It's it, it, the path to... Go ahead. That's right. Go ahead. I was just going to say, is the path to healing that healing leaky gut, which I have been tested positive for, or correcting methylation, or both, all of the above? What do you tackle first? <laughs> I'm getting the best callers tonight. I'm telling you. You know, I'm really, I'm serious. I'm getting the best callers tonight because you get some of the best questions. Okay. Number one, it has to do with all the above. Okay. okay. And um, – when this thing tries to go off, I'm going to try and extend the episode, okay? If I don't answer your question, please call my office tomorrow and, and schedule a, a private time, and I'll answer your questions. But as, as, as we're going along, uh, the methylation pathways plus the mitochondrial pathways and most of all the cell wall stability is involved in the uh, histamine release because <clears throat> if you're getting stimulated by antigens and your stimulation results in IgE, 
uh, it goes through the IgE uh, immunoglobulin E pathway, you're going to end up with a lot of histamine release. That histamine starts ripping open cells, okay, and has been doing it for a long time with you, i.e. inflammation. Okay, uh, some people, oh, this lady just keeps screaming at me, you know. Um, so, if you go after the gut first, okay, uh, you're going to give, okay, it's recording? Hold on. Let me stay on the air. Hopefully this will stay. Can you hear me still? Yes. Okay, good, because there was a little button I had to hit. Okay. <clears throat> Here's the problem. I, it, it, I think it knocks everybody else out. Whatever. Okay, hopefully I'll just answer the question and I'll be on the archive. All right, if you go after the gut first, you have the greatest probability of fixing most of the things. Okay. Okay? If you, fix, if you go after the gut and you go after it properly, okay, you'll fix the hyperpermeable cells, which are the leaky cells, and it's not just in the gut, it's in the brain, it's in everywhere else, okay? Yeah. And those are how you stabilize cells so that they don't respond so much to stimuli that release, and then you get all this histamine release, okay? Uh, you look at the genetic pathways because they give you an idea of where you can destabilize. And it's not only methylation, you can look at the DAO enzyme, uh, you can look, there's a few places to look where it says, ooh, maybe I can use, maybe I should use this enzyme with her because she's got a bunch of polymorphisms, she's having a lot of histamine problems, and uh, she's not conjugating her histamine correctly. Okay, so yes, you have to deal with it all, and the end result of all can be the dysautonomic symptoms, because as you know, and, and disagree with me, please, if it's not true, look at when you got those symptoms. It was after a long time that you had other things. Yeah, Okay, absolutely. then you started with the funny... So that proves my point that it is a long-term effect of chronic inflammation. So we give the body what it starts needing to heal. We start looking at root causes, okay, like the other gentleman I was speaking to, look for parasites, whatever. Whatever the history bears out, okay? And then you use the epigenetics as, as signposts as to what might be needed, okay? And that's where you need experience because there's certain things you simply don't do first, okay? And even if when you're looking to methylate or to add B12, depending on the pathways, which one do you use? Methyl B12, hydroxy B12, adenosyl B12, you know, da 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 5-methylfolate, folinic acid, you know, there's, there's the interaction between NAD and 5-methylfolate. That's where you start looking and saying, gee, um... You know, what do we do? That's where you need somebody to go with you on the path, okay? But in answer to your question, you have to do everything, okay? And if you were going to do something yourself and you're saying, okay, I want to do something for myself and, and I want to test this out, then use a good gut repair program. If you go to my, um, my blog, Dr. Jess Armine on Facebook, I've written it a couple of times on how you fix a gut, Okay, and what you use. And you can also go to my Leaky Gut podcast, all right? Uh, since you're not my patient, I can't sit there and give you exact dosages, but you'll get the idea. <laughs> all right? And the reason I wrote that is I was getting so tired of people being mistreated because they would do one part of a protocol, but not part. I don't want to use the word protocol. They would use one thing like, oh, I'm taking probiotics or I'm on the gap side. Those things are not going to fix your gut. 
okay? What's going to fix your gut is the, is the recreation of a mucus layer, the uh, availability of phospholipids, the availability of, um, of some animal fat, availability of a little bit of arachidonic acid, okay, things that will actually heal the cells there. And trust me, if you've got a leaky gut, which you do, you have leaky mitochondria, you have a leaky blood-brain barrier, okay? It doesn't happen in only one area. You've got 30 trillion yeah. cells that are compromised. All right, okay. so you need, this is, it takes a little bit of, you know, but if you're on the right path, believe it or not, your body will heal. And sometimes just doing the leaky gut and knocking down the inflammation that way is all that's necessary. Why? Because if there's nothing else happening, inflammation feeds on itself. You ever see a five-alarm fire? It'll just feed on itself for a while, okay? Yeah. If you don't have anything feeding it, it will just, okay? Inflammation feeds on itself. Sometimes you've just got to knock the inflammation down and let the body reset. And again, if there's nothing else going on like parasites or anything else, then guess what? You'll just start healing. It's, and it's amazing, okay? But it's, not, it's tough to do by yourself because you start getting into neurotransmitter imbalances if that's already there. That's easy to fix with amino acids, but you have, to, you have to test for it and say, okay, you know, these are the ones that are, you know, imbalanced and this is what I'm going to do. All right, so Even if you have the CBS mutation and have a problem with animal protein and amino acids, is it fixable still? Thank you, thank you for asking that question also, because that's also a good question. My opinion, and I know that my colleagues will come after me with sticks and so forth, is the uh, we've put too much emphasis on the CBS mutations. And way back when, like a couple of years ago, we used to go crazy. We would have people on super low sulfur diets. We'd have them take yucca root to block, you know, sulfur. We'd have them on calcium, magnesium, butyrate. We'd have them on molybdenum. And what we were doing, what we ended up doing, was creating the opposite problem. Okay, of too low sulfur. And we got together and said, okay, let's let's back up on how we do this. This is the problem uh, with being on the cutting edge of anything. Okay, because we're the only people doing it. So when we see things going on, you know, we, we get together, Ben Lynch, Sean, you know, Cynthia Smith, Sterling, and we'll get together and say, okay, what's going on here? You know, and we get the research. We have a lot of researchers that we, we, we work with. And we found out that CBS wasn't expressing as much, okay, and that when you had cruciferous vegetables and stuff like that, that kind of released a lot of sulfur, but the amino acids, which are sulfur-bearing by themselves, kind of stay together because they're being utilized by the body to create other proteins. So you don't get as much out of the amino acids, sulfur out of the amino acids that you think because they stay within a matrix. So when you're going to do a low-sulfur diet, you do a lower sulfur. You don't do a low-sulfur. There's no such thing as a no-sulfur diet. You do maybe a 50% sulfur diet if you want to be serious about it, okay? And you go to the list. You can go on on Google and say, you know, a list of low-sulfur foods, and it'll give you a list. You want to take 50% of, you know, that every day. And that's safe. And you will clear out the pathway because the problem is not you know, the CBS mutation is the amount of traffic trying to get through. All you have to do is reduce the traffic. What are the things that you usually see with a problem in the transsulfation pathway? A lot of brain fog, a lot of ammonia, stuff like that, okay? Mm-hmm. 
That's yeah. what we tend to see. But there's other reasons for that, and it's all inflammatory related, and that's only part of it. Okay, and don't use the little dipsticks for this for the um, sulfur either. We've been using them for a while, and we stopped using them because we're not getting consistent results, and it's driving people crazy. It's not giving them what they I, need. I'm definitely going to do a consultation with you because I'm not presently tolerating um, uh, any amino acid supplements or animal protein, and everybody says that's how you heal the gut, so I'm just like in a quandary. Okay. Well, well, we'll talk about it. So there's, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of, um, you know, I always kid about if, you, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, I've got a tool, I've got a toolbox that, it, you know, would choke a horse. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> all kidding cool. aside, I, you know, I'm real experienced at this. I'd be happy. Call, call my number tomorrow. Talk to Megan. Make a, uh, like I said, make a 15-minute appointment. Let's, let's talk turkey. And, uh, you know, if you feel good about it, we'll make, we'll make a consult. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. You're most welcome. Have a thank you so much. Thanks for everything. Bye bye. Well, guys, I don't know who's still on, but we're about eight minutes over. So I am hoping that everybody had a um, had a good time tonight. It was very good questions. I am impressed and happy with the questions. I hope everybody enjoyed the troglodyte thing. Uh, going back, and so for our. Um, closing theme instead of um, playing the Enterprise theme that I usually do, I think I'm going to play yeah. the, I know what you're talking the, about. the Troglodyte song, was a time when which is the Jimmy Castor group. These people were known okay, and this is where the people get the um, word. Wes, we got the birth of birth right of butt. By the way, way back, anybody wants to know, the sequel to this when the only is called people Birth that of Butt Boogie, which is even funnier than this. Cave men. Men. Cave women. Remember, people. Don't believe that something is incurable. Don't accept it. Just simply don't accept it. Okay? Investigate. Fight. Get mad as hell because you're not going to take it anymore. Okay? I tell you this from my heart. Okay, there's so many people out there who have just been told, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Okay? And the vast majority of them, there's something that can't be done. Okay, so, you know, consider chatting with us. Consider demanding of your healthcare provider that they give you better. Okay, and that's been my intention since day one, is to empower you. In the meantime, if we do a little bit of laughing, it helps. So I'll see you all next week. We go down to the lake where all the girls would be swimming or washing clothes or something. Just look around and just reach in and grab one. I really appreciate your uh, faith in me. I appreciate your time. Take care. Please grab her by the hair. You can't do that today, fellas, because I might come off. You'd have a piece of hair in your hand. She'd be swimming away from you. <laughs> This one woman just laid there, wet and frightened. He said, move. Move. She got up. She was a big woman.
Well, she said, 